everybody. I'm Dave. And I'm John. And this is Coffee and Capes, a podcast about two of our favorite things, drinking coffee and talking about geek culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the coffee, all the geek culture. C2E2 is this week. C2E2 is this week. It's pretty exciting. Pretty awesome. It's the uh, it's just a small comic book thing that happens in Chicago annually. I don't know how small it is. I mean, I suppose everything's small compared to Comic-Con in San Diego. I hear it's but... probably like 20, 30 people will be there tops. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. that's about right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it occurs to me that, you know, I guess you don't have to drink coffee and like while you're talking about geek culture and you don't have to talk about geek culture while you're drinking coffee. But why wouldn't you? Yeah, I was just going to say, that just sounds boring. Like, it doesn't sound complete. You know, it's like... Right, right. And if you're you're drinking coffee and you're not talking about geek culture, you could be drinking coffee and reading comic books. True. And just enjoying geek culture in general. I think there's nothing better than a little bit of coffee in the morning, some quiet time, your favorite comic book. If only there was a place you could get both things sent to you together. If only. Now, if we were to create such a place, what do you think it would be called and where would I find it? Oh, I think we just stay with the name of the podcast. We just call it Coffee and Capes. And I think you'd find Brilliant. it. Right? So good. Uh, I think you'd find it online, right? We'd probably have like a coffeeandcapes.com website that you could also get to by going into your URL and typing comics.coffee where you would find amazing coffee and awesome comic books. Sometimes you can get them together, like the newly evolved uh, monthly single pack subscription, which is a bag of coffee and a comic book sent to you every month for your enjoyment. Or you could enjoy the new super box, which is a handful of comics and a bag of coffee sent either as a gift for yourself or for a friend, or you could do it as a subscription and save 15% every month. What? I don't know. It's insane. Um, but those things are live. We finally launched those things. Well, we launched the Coffee and Cape site a while ago, but the, uh, the evolution of the subscription offerings and the ability to buy them as one-offs, you don't have to subscribe. You can just buy it once as a one-off and enjoy, enjoy it that way. Um, and we made some adjustments to the shipping because shipping was a little... Uh, a little high and we wanted to find a way to lower that down because you shouldn't have to pay a ton of shipping to enjoy the things that you love so we worked hard found a way to nobody likes to pay for shipping no but uh if you're curious what some of those boxes might look like what they might entail you could follow us on instagram at coffee underscore letter n underscore capes facebook twitter we actually have a tiktok channel i realized but just no content in it we do uh, this is news to yeah. me i know right i think i signed this up for one a long time ago and then realized i don't get it so i'm just gonna leave it alone um <laughs> that sounds about right and uh and you, if you want to send us an email guys you can shoot us an email at supers uh s-u-p-e-r-s just the way it sounds at coffeeandcapes.com with any questions thoughts requests and if you don't mind uh leave us a review on the podcast We'd love to see reviews. We would. Yeah. If it's a one-star review, maybe send that to us in an email and tell us what we can do better instead of like hitting a little one-star button. I like that point. 
yeah. but we would love to see some reviews. I don't think we've ever actually gotten any. I don't think we've ever asked for them either. No, no I don't think we have either. Maybe it was out of fear that. Well, or just to be different. I mean, everybody's like, oh, hey, get on our podcast, subscribe. And I guess get there's a reason stars. I mean, everybody do that, does right? it. They, yeah. they want people to rate their podcasts so that more people listen to it. We've always just kind of done this for our own enjoyment. Right. And, which it still is, right? It's still kind of our own enjoyment. It just turns out people listen to it. Yay. Thank you, people. Yeah. The 10 people who listen to it, thanks for listening. Um, and uh, yeah, guys, so, you know, leave us a leave us a thing a review thing a review thing yeah yes that's what we're calling this segment from now on the review thing the review thing yes excellent and you can find us on youtube as well and spotify and all the different spotify uh apple itunes you know google Podcasts. um so yeah you can find us all over the place we exist in the digital space just like max headroom (laughs) Oh man, that, that was is, a good one, right? That's throwback. That apparently is... they're rebooting it. No. Yep. Stop it. Sincerely. Just stop, people. They're also rebooting. What Roadhouse. even is there to reboot? They're rebooting Roadhouse. I, that's with Jake Gyllenhaal in the I Patrick know. Swayze role. Why? Just why? I don't know. Now, let's talk about this for a moment. Because I like Jake Gyllenhaal. He's done some really good stuff. Uh, he was great as Mysterio. I really enjoyed him as Mysterio in Spider-Man. Um, so he's he's done some stuff. It, highly underrated movie of his was Bubble Boy. Absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Hilarious. Right up there with Zodiac, man. <laughs> right up there with Zodiac. Um, but as much as I like him, like, did we not learn our lesson from the remake of Point Break, you just don't remake Patrick Swayze movies, man. Yeah. Don't get involved in land wars in Asia. Don't get involved in fantasy football with Tommy Pham. And don't remake Patrick Swayze movies. These oh, are the, these are the constants in the universe. Right? It's a national treasure. Yeah. Come on. Quit messing with Bodie. <laughs> Okay. John, what's our coffee today? Glad you asked, Dave. Uh, Our coffee today is Respawn. Uh, Respawn is fair trade, medium roast, single origin. It has notes of brown sugar, cashew, milk, chocolate, a little hint of orange. Um, This is actually uh, Rachel's favorite. Really? Okay. Yeah, she loves Respawn because it's so smooth and has, you know, coffee. Some of us enjoy that little bitter bite. Yeah. Right of our coffee. Uh, there really that really doesn't exist in Respawn, but it's still super flavorful. So according to Rachel, that like, if she could just have that all day long, she would drink that all day long. Wow. So, yeah, you know, even though we we don't play favorites. which we do um yeah (laughs) rachel's you know rachel enjoys respawn and a a number of people actually have talked about how they enjoy how smooth that one is and uh i enjoy it it you know it's it's a great coffee it really really is delicious coffee so respawn everybody for all those late night uh call of duty 
online gaming Minecrafty things. Um, you know, excellent. I, Better I, than Mountain I Dew. I just ordered some yesterday. Nice. Yeah. Better than Mountain Dew, kids. <laughs> oh my gosh, for sure. All of our coffees are better than Mountain Dew. And you can also have them in, in fun uh, fun mugs. Yeah, shameless mug plug. For sure, for sure. All right. Excellent. Uh, fan fiction. Yeah. Um, I really don't have anything. It, because... Yeah, let's do let's do that for fan fiction yeah yeah that's that was kind of the plan the thought right with the shirt for those of you that aren't creepy and watching us on youtube not um, creepy to watch us on youtube don't don't tell our youtube watchers that it's creepy to watch us it might be boring to watch us but it's not creepy it's i think it's creepy because why would you want to look at our faces it just seems like you just, I don't know, maybe you're angry at yourself and you're like, I'm going to punish myself today and watch Dave and John. I have to look at them. Um, but the t-shirt, it's really not creepy, guys. We enjoy it. If you watch us on YouTube, we hope you enjoy it. Uh, but as you can see, this is my red shirt from Star Trek. It says I might not make it. Um, but that's not the point. One of our most beloved and uh, really pioneering absolutely, yeah, characters in the original star trek series and subsequently movies and uh, a pioneer for man i mean really if you think about the time frame not only women but black people and holy cow black women oh for right? sure yeah right uh passed away this week we lost to Uhura. yep michelle nichols yeah the other day it's a you know it's a big loss for the well i was gonna say for the for the geek culture community but really for for the for the entertainment industry at large um i I think for i I think for forwarding um equality across all mediums i i would say that was a big loss absolutely i mean we've seen some tributes from um apparently I read a story just the other day that uh, Nichelle was going to leave Star Trek after the first season to pursue like a Broadway thing. Oh, wow. And um, she was at, oh, I forget where she was, but uh, she was told like, somebody wants to talk to you. And it was no joke, Martin Luther King Jr. Wow. Who said to her, essentially, please don't leave. This is me completely paraphrasing, but please don't leave. It's so important. You're the, you're like, your show is literally the only one we will allow our girls to watch mm-hmm. because, and well, I mean, I didn't say what, but you know, Nichelle was one of the, was perhaps the first black woman on TV that wasn't in a quote, traditional black role. She wasn't a maid. She wasn't, right. Yeah. She wasn't a nanny. She wasn't yep. a mammy. Like she was, she yeah. was an equal part of that bridge and uh yeah. and it was she it was, was an really officer important. right on that bridge right yeah. she was the communications officer she yeah. was <laughs> an integral part of that crew she was part of the command structure and yeah to your point right at that time traditional like quote unquote traditional black roles in 
entertainment were incredibly demeaning and racist. Yeah, right, right. Right, which was a reflection of how they'd been treated and viewed for decades. Yeah. Right, and unfortunately. And, actually, but yeah. Right, and unfortunately yeah. in some areas still can be viewed in such a way. And right. It just shows how far we got to go, but I'm not climbing on that soapbox today. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, Michelle Nichols, it's so important not only to geek culture and just star trek in general and science fiction and everything else and the arts but also to you know just setting a, a, an incredible example at a time that people didn't have like it right. was it was representation it, matters we hear it yeah. all the time I think it was, but you know, I think it was and, Whoopi Goldberg that also wrote a tribute about how seeing seeing Lieutenant Uhura on her TV was inspiration. It was the first time she'd seen somebody that looked like her. Right. I'm that, and I, I mean, you know, don't you quote me on that. that. I'm, I'm paraphrasing what I read, but yeah. Right. And you think about that, and this goes back to what we talked about back in our Star Trek episode, right? Really how groundbreaking Star yes. Trek was at the time because yeah. you had George Sakai uh, as an Asian male and the command structure and you know yeah granted we didn't know it at the time but a gay man a gay yeah. asian man on tv you had it, it was you had aliens from all over that were yep. equals yep. in the in everything you know it, yeah it really was the 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 um the equality the uh uh pluralistic society as as ideal those were not subtle points of star trek no not at all like that was clearly the, the idea yeah yeah and um and you know and you looked at you, you know you brought up a long time ago like the idea of the klingon and how that didn't really sit right but if you look back at like what the klingon represented like that was an enclosed social structure of only klingons mm. who only believed in their way and their society and aliens from the outside were not welcome they were viewed yeah. as weaker they were viewed as lower right so think about that in terms of of society really star trek was saying we include everybody and we're gonna fight the system that denies people yeah. equality right right and now extend the analogy who's who in real life who's playing the role of the klingons yeah yeah that's scary yeah, yeah. well and i think um, i'm pretty sure that uh i've read that Nichelle Nichols and, and William Shatner were the first interracial kiss on TV. Yes. Yep. They were the first interracial kiss on TV. Yep. And then William Shatner just kissed everything. <laughs> he took that idea and green, blue, right. didn't matter. He was like, hey. Um, so, yeah. Man, uh, rest in power, Nichelle Nichols. And thank you Nichelle for yeah. for all that you did for. Uh, Young Dave and Young John and all and so 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 many others, um, you will be missed. I, I will I will be remiss if I don't point out also that she was beautiful. Oh, for sure. I I remember Lovely. seeing her on you know on TV and being like, whoa, like she's so pretty. Yeah. You know, um, she's an absolutely stunning woman, and from a. a personality standpoint if you ever go back and, and listen to her talk about that role uh after 
she opted to stay in and all the people that she met that had conversations with her and thanked her for, you know, being such a pioneer, it really touched her um, from what I've read. So it's just a beautiful soul and she will be missed. Absolutely. For sure. <clears throat> Absolutely. And I said young Dave and John, but not just young Dave and John, <laughs> she had a great impact on us our whole lives because that story has been part of our, our lives for basically our entire existence. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, all right. Moving on. Yeah. So today, as you can tell, if you're one of the creepy few, according to John, that are watching this on YouTube. You guys really aren't creepy. You're not so. creepy. We love no. you. Um, you're watchers. You're going to call them watchers. <laughs> the Uatu clan. Yes. Oh, there you go. That's a deep dive. Uh, it's time to talk about Stranger Things. Yeah, Stranger Things season four, right? We're yep. not we're not going through all four seasons. Oh goodness, no. Uh, um, but uh, before we get into it, our standard coffee and capes disclaimer. Oh yeah. Here yeah. there be spoilers. Yeah, guys. So uh, if we don't, if you have not finished watching season four and you do not want it spoiled, please pause now. And go and watch it and come back when you're done. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, we're, and back. we're back. All right. So after so, this, spoiler, you have been warned. Spoilers will happen. Yes. Um, on that note, man, let's let's jump into it. I want to jump into one thing that I, I thought about as we were, you know, after we talked about we were, we we're going to discuss this. Um, and that is that... Uh, the episodes were incredibly long, right? We had part yes. one and part four. Yes. None of them felt long. Like to me, none of them felt too long. They all felt like they just did a really nice job of grabbing my attention and holding it throughout the entirety of the season, especially part two, where I thought a two and a half hour Stranger Things episode was going to be way too much. Yeah. And I was locked into that TV and heartbroken by the time it was done um right and we'll dive into that in a little bit yeah i'll agree with you on the last part there heartbroken by the end i'm not so sure i agree that uh longer was better i'm not saying longer was better i'm just saying the length didn't turn me off like i thought it would i didn't get okay. bored yeah i i guess i'm i can't quite go there i think okay i don't i, I well, then this is over. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. See you next time. Good night. <laughs> um, I felt while watching it, I didn't think, oh, gosh, this is so long. I just it felt more like and I said this a couple of times to my kids as we were watching it together. Stranger Things has been so successful. It appears that the uh, what's her name? Duffer Duffer Brothers. Mm -hmm. yeah have been told here you go do whatever you want yeah oh for sure and that's fine but it just felt like they they kind of bypassed any most any editing process like so here's the thing if you there, there's an adage right that it's it's harder to create or write or to create something that's shorter than it is to create something that's longer in the sense of if it's going to be shorter, you have to be more 
um, precise. precise about your editing and about what you're going to include and what you're not. And if you're told, well, you have all the time in the world, you can just include every little bit of thing that comes to mind. Right. Yeah. And that's how it felt to me a bit. Like it, I thought they got a little pondering at points. So I, I can see what you're talking about. And, and, you know, it is something that they, they taught in, uh, when I went to film school. Right. Uh, and specifically I, I went for screenplay writing and, um, they, they talk about you have to shorten things down and yeah. get to a point to hold the attention. And if you prattle on and you go on for too long, like I am prone to do in explaining things, right? Um, you'll lose your audience, right? Yeah. You you run the potential of losing your audience. Yeah. And I could see, I can see, you know, kind of looking at things where that could potentially come into play with season four because the episodes are longer and it does seem like they were just kind of handed the kings the keys to the kingdom and they just ran with it um but at the same time if i'm looking at it from a storytelling perspective there was a lot to unpack in that that season um and i don't i'd have to go back and watch it again because i'm not sure that you could unpack everything as successfully as they did without losing some of the continuity that they are so good at carrying throughout the season that's fair right. yeah yeah but i i don't know you could very well be right like i could have just been so engrossed and and enjoying it so much especially with the nostalgia aspect right um, yeah well and if you're engrossed and enjoying it then that's the point right yeah exactly then they've done their job i'm like yeah Ooh, right yeah. um right. especially with the we just First of all, was it was it your son that brought up? Was it really like this in the eighties? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so, for everybody out there asking yourself that question, were the eighties really like that? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and that what you guys got to see was an interesting part of the eighties, right? Where there was like yeah. this this. Yeah kind of like interesting cultural like crossover in schools where you had like new wave poppy like popular-ish kids you had outcasts who yeah. you know and, and I don't really know if they would be considered nerds just more like social outcasts I, yeah. I feel like that would be more appropriate that were into Dungeons and Dragons and listen to like different music right like metal music those kinds of things yeah and man that we both talked about this but that uh what was it called the the satanic scare the satanic panic mm -hmm. yeah satanic panic thank you satanic panic that was a legit thing that was a real it. thing yeah yeah right. like that was an interesting i was i i was glad that they went there yeah me too i think that it. was one of the to me that was one of the strongest points of the entire season mm -hmm. now it's kind of a it exists as a bit of a subplot, which is fine, mm -hmm. but I really, I, I agree. I, I was really appreciative that they addressed that and addressed it from the standpoint of you parents are ridiculous and crazy and stupid. And this really isn't, there's nothing satanic about this. I and mean, that's a whole, I you know, th that's right in my wheelhouse. I could go on about that for right, a long yeah, time yeah. and I won't, but, um, 
but yeah, like I really appreciated the way they weaved that into the storyline uh, because that really was a part of what happened in the 80s. And people lost their ever-loving minds about freaking Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, yeah. I had, and we've talked about this before, right? I had all the original TSR yeah. books and they were worn and tattered and you had to find them somewhere. And yeah. man, I will never forget, like my mom was one of those people that had kind of started to buy into this satanic panic thing yeah. right and Dungeons and dragons is not okay and those kinds of things and eventually she got she got over it right she realized yeah. it was just kind of fantasy and, and what it was but there were so many parents so many parents that thought if your kids were playing dungeons and dragons you were just painting pentagrams and sacrificing goats and <laughs> right. babies yeah. and everything yeah. else and on your path on your way to just you know being a terrible human being um and that just that just wasn't what it was and i i appreciate that they also took it to the mass hysteria aspect and really demonstrated what is still true today everybody that people latch on to a reason or an excuse for something that fits into the nice little box that they have created and will run with it and how easily that fire spreads. Right, right. Yeah, we got a good right? piece of that, especially in that parent meeting, you know, where the, mm -hmm. all it takes That's is a exactly couple of parents about. to be like, oh, we're going to go get them. And then the, the the mob mentality takes over and everybody's like, oh, oh yeah, let's go get them. Yeah. It's very much the scapegoat principle. You know, we're going to fight. There's a, there's a problem in our community. I mean, it's, it's classic Rene Girard scapegoating principle. Like you, there's a problem in the community. And so you identify a person in this case, or a group that I, that, that uh, comes to identify as that problem to, uh, to be the, I don't know, to be the uh, the avatar for that problem, if you will. And then you drive them out of out of town mm -hmm. or literally kill them. And and then your problems are solved and, and the tension goes away and your community is whole again is is the way humanity works. It turns out. Yeah. And this the show did a great job of. Making use of that reality and that truth about human beings in a way that really added to me for me. Uh, legitimate terror to the story yeah agreed and then you had um you know the the high school kid and i don't yeah. i don't remember his name right that went out got a gun and right. was gonna hunt down uh the real hero of this story eddie munson yes and, yes and shoot him right um right. and and that like the I really liked how throughout the season, he, the the kid, and I don't remember his name. I know, and I, I can't find it either. But yeah, the, the basketball player, the, the basketball star, right? Right, the basketball star. But how, as the as things went on, he became more manic. And uh -huh. they even, like, if you notice, like, his hair started to be a little bit more messed up. And he started to have paler skin. And, like, he really, like, evolved physically too as he went down that path of just kind of maniacal like conviction that he was gonna he was gonna kill eddie and he was gonna kill everybody in the hellfire club 
which right. I thought, by the way, the name of that was a nice nod to the X-Men. Perfect. Oh, so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. To, in some ways, to me, the, the basketball kid was more terrifying than Vecna. Vecna. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. He, he was... His threat was more present. Yes. And he... I don't know. It's so Vecna, there was a lot that had to happen, you know, Vecna went after people, those kinds yeah. of things, but he was very consistent and steady and, and his terrorizing and, and murdering. Right. This <laughs> yeah. kid became unhinged. Right. 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 And when, uh, when somebody becomes unhinged in their righteous anger, Right. What they view as righteous anger, what they view as kind of that I'm doing the right thing and I have, you know, right on my side and you can't tell me anything different and I'm not going to listen and I'm just going to see this through to the end. Yeah. Uh, that's terrifying. Right. Exactly. Right. That is that is a horrifying moment. We're, we're talking entire like genocide has happened as a result of those people. You think exactly. Back and you go, yes. you know. All the way back to like the crusades and right. you know before but yes you know so and he embodied I, yeah, all I, of that there there's the word he embodied all of that all of including it. The, including the religious fervor that can that can engender some of that so mm -hmm. I, I i thought that piece was brilliantly done yeah um millie bobby brown uh phenomenal job as 11 as always but I will say my favorite, if I had to pick like who my favorite people to see on screen were, um, number one, well, let's go, let's go in reverse order. Let's go in reverse order. So Steve, uh, Steve and oh, what's the, what's the kid's name? One that plays remember. Steve or the, the other character? The Steve other Robin, Steve and no his buddy oh steven uh dustin dustin thank you i don't know why i was just like drawing a blank so steve and dustin that pairing i, I loved seeing them on screen they're so great i do i love the the evolution of steve's character throughout the seasons yes that he I started off the as the jerky bully you know yeah, he was a dicky kid yeah he was complete dick and yeah. now he's the protector and yeah, of everybody, right? Yes. He's willing to sacrifice anything to be able to keep everybody safe. But yes, right. And it, not in a, it doesn't strike me as a, you know, a machismo or, or, or whatever way. Like he's, he wants to be the protector because he genuinely cares about them. Mm -hmm. yep. And he feels like, um, hey, he's got some strength and he's got some skills and he can do that. Um, but it comes out of a place of caring and love rather than, a, oh, I'm going to be the hero kind of thing ego thing yeah. i think yeah i agree and the interaction between steve and dustin is is Hilarious. great throughout the Fabulous. show yeah and there's there's just that like big brother little brother thing that happens there just so naturally and you know he just it's just a great great interaction and it's moment that creates moments of levity and mm -hmm. serious moments it right. gives both of them an opportunity to be the hero at times yeah in surprising ways um 
so those guys were just fantastic totally agree. um the next on my list i love watching uh winona Ryder and david harper yeah agreed they're they're kind of the i mean obviously they're the adult center of the of the show but i like how they've they too have evolved from the Oh, well, they are well, they are they getting together? Are they gonna to admit to each other that they like each other? That like every yeah, come on, Sam and Diane. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, that no, they just straight up love each other and it's and care about each other, and it's it's beautiful to watch. Yeah, and that storyline, I will say, so when they when Winona Ryder and uh oh, I don't remember the guy's name that she goes, she Murray? listed, huh? Murray, yeah, Murray. Whoever plays Murray, by the way, is hilarious. He's, He's awesome. When he actually turned out to be a black belt on the plane. That was hilarious. Kicked that guy's ass. Brett Gelman is his name. Brett Gelman. Way to go, Brett Gelman. Yeah. You are like, when he when he actually, when he was like talking to Winona Ryder, he's like, you know, if you can get me free, I'm I'm a black belt. And she's like, have you really found anybody? He's like, well, just kids. And it's you're like, right. oh, God. <laughs> this guy and then he gets free and he fights you know yuri the the backstabbing uh, pilot and he just just beats his ass and uh it was phenomenal to watch because it was funny but at the same time you're like yeah murray get him yeah um no that's great that storyline that (laughs) everything about that whole storyline was completely ridiculous and yet i was here for it i loved it (laughs) oh yeah like uh but it's so I thought I was going to be annoyed. That's one of the one of the points of the show where I thought I was going to be annoyed, where they went to rescue him, go through, like doing the rescue, and then it, you know, turns into a thing and it, yeah. it fails. And I was yeah. like, oh, are we going to do this annoying thing the whole time? Like, because there's nothing. I, if you want to annoy me in a film. And I do. Yeah. Failed rescues repeatedly over and over and over and over again nothing bugs the shit out of me more okay it's like i did not know that i learned something about you today you can fail a rescue and you can botch it like once and then reset and go after it and everything else but if it becomes like a pattern of like five different times Mm. right then you're like come on guys like you've lost your originality to it like you're just now you're just eating up space and time <laughs> to try and hit a, a mark. Right. Yeah. Um, so I thought maybe that's what we were going to see, but it was so pivotal that they stayed in Russia. Right. And what could have been a very small, compact little world that didn't have hardly anything to do with the rest of what was going on turned they, out to be pivotal. Yes. Yeah, they, yeah, very they, they wove it in really well. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was brilliant writing on that. Okay, so uh, Winona Ryder and... and uh, David Harbour. Harbour, yeah. So who's next yeah. on your list? Number one, hands down, Eddie Munson. He was great. That guy, uh, who's the actor that played Eddie Munson? I can't remember his name. He has a... And I follow him on... Well, I watched anything he pops up in on Instagram because. Give me a second. I'll find it. 
Did you know he actually knows how to play Master of Puppets, by the way? I've seen some uh, some videos about that, that he learned how to play it. And then he was mm-hmm. hanging out with Metallica. Metallica, right? <sighs> Joseph Quinn. Joseph Quinn. There you go. Um, I want to talk about an evolution of a character. There, Well, maybe he evolved from what he considered himself to be, which was a runner and a coward, right? Somebody yeah. who wasn't going to actually fight. He was just more like he would rather run and, and wasn't going to do that into man, probably one of the most influential and pivotal heroes in the entire show and made for the most heartbreaking moment, I think, in all of Stranger Things. Doesn't matter what season, for me anyway, um, when he died, mm-hmm. that uh because it, it like the dying words that he had for dustin of like i didn't run yeah yeah did you see me like i didn't run and man just like that i was like it still like makes mm-hmm. the hair stand up on my arms you know and he went from the the head of the hellfire club the dnd guy like fifth year senior in high school yeah. kind of the yeah. you know town loser that's what everybody viewed him as except right. for those within the hellfire club and we got to see early on when um was it janine or janet damn it janet <laughs> uh the girl that came to him to buy weed off of him because yeah. she was having those horrible nightmares that we didn't right. know were back there yet yeah and yeah this this just really kind sweet like i know what it's like to be an outcast and i'm not going to judge yeah. you for this right, right 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 this is like a safe space that was the first moment you went oh okay i i like there might like be this. more to this guy right and yeah. then you know as things went on uh he just became such a pivotal hero yeah and he's a good physical actor like he yeah at least in the way it was shot it appears he's a pretty big get big guy mm-hmm. or at least bigger than the other and he's he has that sort of um michael richards kramer-esque thing where he can use <clears throat> that those the the lankiness and the and the physicality to bring out the humor and to really uh add expression to what his character is doing I thought he was a phenomenal actor. I thought yeah. he was able to reach the, you know, across the emotional spectrum very, very easily and very well from, yeah. you know, being kind of off standing, you know, off standoffish and going, man, I don't really I don't, care. To yeah. Terrified to, to, to <laughs> I really like, I really am the, I really am the father figure of this or the older brother figure of this, of this group. And these kids matter to me and I matter. And I matter to them. Yeah. And I think that's a piece of what helped him evolve and transform as a character was he realized that those other guys cared about him just as he was. Yeah. Gee, if only there were a lesson there. (laughs) If only. Man. Yeah. Um, But yeah, just a man, just such a great, great character. And it, it sucked that we lost him. I was pretty angry that they killed him off. I thought he was amazing. That master of puppets scene where he is playing guitar in the upside down. Yeah. Probably one of the most epic moments in history on TV that I've ever seen. 
just in it's in terms of just like this is so cool right it was it's the it's for sure the most metal scene in the history of most metal scene of all time yeah dustin nails it with that right most Mm -hmm. metal scene ever watching dustin's heartbreak oh gosh when eddie dies yeah and then the end uh we just had that moment with eddie's uncle yeah Yeah. right when eddie's uncle like keeps putting the picture up right yeah. of Eddie and Dustin's finally like, I have to tell you something about your nephew. Yeah. And he sits down and has the conversation, man, like I'm getting a little choked up talking about mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. but it was just such a great scene where he gets to tell him like he was a hero. Yep. He yep. saved lives. Um, man, that was, that was awesome. Uh, it, yeah. And probably better that the, so here's one time they did edit something like, you would expect the uncle to be like, what in the heck are you talking about? <laughs> but he didn't. He just accepted it and said, this is, that's great. And he's like, he was just, he was so moved to hear that about Eddie. Yeah. yeah. And it, and I think it's important. It's an important lesson for people to remember that like, you can't judge a book by its cover. Mm. Right. You never know what kind of person like lies underneath the surface of what you're seeing good or bad right because at the beginning you think oh look the star basketball guy and he's accepting um i can't remember the the kid's name lucas lucas thank you like he's accepting lucas onto the team and welcoming him and making him part of everything and he seems to be a good guy and all this stuff but the right circumstance jason is the basketball player kids character's name okay jason um but it you know, he's, he seems to be this good guy and accepting and everything else. Right. But then he goes off the deep end and becomes this murderous rage machine. Yeah. Right. You know, who's willing to take down anybody. And Eddie at the beginning seems like, like I said, like the loser dropout drug dealing, you know, and he was, (laughs) and he was like, he was, but that wasn't all he was. Right. He was something else entirely. Yeah. And I would say for, the one thing I guess to mitigate Jason would be, as we've talked about in other about other products, grief. He's yeah. so grief stricken, yeah, that he needs an avenue for that, and he finds literally the most destructive one. Right, and that's and it. Doesn't and, excuse it. Doesn't make it okay. But <clears throat> like from a character standpoint, you can kind of at least understand why. Yeah. And it's, and that's the most common response to grief for most people, right? In, in, a, in a loss like that. Yeah. Right. Not necessarily if we're talking about, you know, the natural passing of someone that's, you know, uh, while they're still like 89 years old and was a pioneer in, uh, in, in TV and film. Right. Um, but when you have, someone who's taken unexpectedly in a, in a horrific and violent way. Right. Right. That is the most common path that grief will take people is into that rage. Yeah. Right. And whether somebody acts on it or not, it doesn't, you know, that's neither here nor there, but uh, it exists. Well, um, it's kind of here or there, but it's, it's better well, not to act on it. I mean, but I know what you mean. Like it's, yeah. yeah, it's, it's a common, it, yes, for sure anger rage is a common reaction to grief and especially that kind of grief. yeah yeah um 
So, I, I mean, those were, you know, but everybody did such a great job. <clears throat> I think one of the most interesting underlying emotional moments that was never said out loud was how clear it was that Will was in love with Mike. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Right. Um, yep. And it became more and more apparent as things went on and, and you know, that will's older brother finally catches on and granted they, they never said it like if yeah, like right. it was never said out loud in that like simple entirety yeah right but you could see it like the way will looked at mike and yep. the conversation that he had with him about you know, telling somebody that you love them and then watching them slip away and all this stuff, like sometimes you don't say anything and, you know, Will's brother turning around and realizing Will is referring to Mike. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. He's, he's having that moment. And I was glad they finally kind of gave Will something to do. Yeah. It felt like it's been a while. Like he's always just sort of been, well, he's the one that gets abducted and then, He's the one that just has to look pained and whatever. Like, I just, you know, they, he's kind of been a afterthought. It has felt like compared to the other, the other guys. Yeah. Um, in yeah. that little group, but he at least had a little bit more to do this time. He did. And, you know, it was again, super interesting to, you know, see that kind of storyline start to play out. Um, and it'll be interesting to see where they go with it in, in season five. Right. Yeah. And I agree. It was nice to see them give some will something to do other than have a really horrifically bad haircut. Um, <laughs> everybody else gets like great hair except will. Well, I mean, it was the eighties. There was, there we all had that one friend uh, who had that haircut. And if you look around the circle and nobody else does, <laughs> guess what you're that guy i was um, that guy <laughs> i probably was at some point for sure um the i will say one of my favorite like my second favorite new addition to the whole thing was the pizza delivery stoner guy oh my gosh he was hilarious he was hilarious in that every now and then he saw something nobody else saw right He'd be like, hey, guys, like and just had that like one brilliant moment mm -hmm. that catches everybody off guard. You're just and then he's right back to being super stoner. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Super spaced out stoner guy. No, um, that was terrific. He was really funny. Good for comedy relief. And he was good for comedy. Relief. The, uh, the Matthew Bodine, Millie Bobby Brown, like father daughter storyline was interesting um yeah i felt like that was one of the ones that got a little ponderous and kind of not a, not a, not always clear what's happening with whom when yeah i thought although i thought the way that it wrapped was pretty pretty solid. yeah pretty unambiguous <laughs> right he yeah. was like you know calling her daughter the whole time she calls him papa yeah um and you start to think maybe there's there's love there and he's trying to get her to say that she understands what he was trying to do as he's dying 
yeah. and she lets go of his hand and just says goodbye. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, you don't, you don't understand. You think what he did, and rightfully so, was horrific. Because mm-hmm. it was. Like, yeah. He yeah. took children. Yeah. And experimented on them. Yeah. Yeah. What you did was horrible. Right. No right. wonder you wound up with a Vecna. Yeah. And your dying act to free her from her shackles or whatever is is fine, but it doesn't undo all the horror that you created. No. Like, yeah. To be like, sorry, I held you captive for like, I don't know, 13, 14 years in a basement and tortured you and yeah. forced you to do all these things and whatever until you felt you had to escape. And she was like, I don't know how old, but she wasn't 13. 11 or, 14, or something. Yeah, something like 10, that. something like that. 10. Yeah. But sorry, I did all that to you, but you get it, right? We're yeah. cool. We're good now, Just, right? Yeah. This yeah. no. mom? No. All right. No. Never mind. Okay. Here's an example of uh, something that they, they started off down a path with uh, Paul Reiser's character, Dr. Whoever. Yep. Made a big deal about the helicopter coming to his house and threatening mm-hmm. him. And that leads him to contact Ellen, all of that, and puts all of that in motion. And then he ends up in the desert with Modine's character, with Papa. And then he kind of ceases to matter. I don't know that he ceases to matter. I mean, he's the, I guess he's the, he's trying to be the voice of caution and reason and compassion. 100%. And then he gets locked up and then I don't know what happens to him. I, I yeah, I can't remember. I think they, they haul him off or something like that. I, I yeah. honestly, I don't remember. I have to go back yeah. and look, but I, I don't think he was, you know, he, I don't think he ceased to matter. I think he was always the voice of like, he was always Eleven's advocate, right? You can't keep doing this to her. Like mm. you can't, yeah. you promised her you weren't going to do this. Yeah. Right. Calling Matthew, calling Papa out over and over and over again until they finally, to your point, lock him in a room. Right. Yeah. Where the military yeah. ends up finding him and all that jazz. Yeah. Um, and maybe he dies. I don't remember, but. I don't think you know, it's clear. Yeah, I don't, I, it's pretty ambiguous. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I, I think that he actually was still a, a fairly important role um, in being the advocate for Eleven, right? All right, fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the big bad. Okay. Let's talk about Vecna. I found the whole Vecna story. Well, I mean, the connection to one was kind of cool. was pretty cool. Yeah, I thought that was cool. I, I'm a little confused about Vecna's relationship to the, uh, to the mind player and to the, what are the little dog-like things? Right. So Gormagons, what the hell? I always want to say Gorgons. Demogorgons. Demogorgons. There you go. But Gorgon's the Medusa-like character. Um, Demogorgons, yeah. And I know whenever I say this, one of my, Josh, my son, will always be like, Dad, they told you what the relationship is. The, the, the Demogorgons are foot soldiers, and Vecna's the, the four-star general in Mind Flayer's army. I'm like, okay, but it wasn't really presented that way. What they showed me, what I thought I saw, was more like Vecna kind of, shaping the mind flayer and so in that case is he is actually vecna the the big bad here and 
I didn't totally understand all the ways they tried to retcon Vecna into like he's really it's been him all along. Like, I don't know. But so at the same time, like it doesn't appear that it's been him all along. Right. Um, so Eleven cracked, you know, reality essentially when she got rid of him and shoved him into the upside down. Yeah. Where right where he was able to establish himself and you know become and evolve and become something more yeah um but to josh's point they talked about he's like the four-star general in the army so he's not the the overall leader he's trying to he's trying to set up everything so that the upside down can come into the, and overtake the real world and overtake the real world for whoever the big the biggest bad of them all in the upside down is which i assume is probably right that one big mass yeah. of of blackness that we always see of darkness yeah. yeah um and i assume that that's what that's about right is that he was given dominion to be able to run all of those lower level things and draw power to crack reality again and bring the upside down into into the normal reality that's my assumption based on like what i took away from watching it yeah so right you did you understand it to be that Vecna's been kind of controlling the Demogorgons or sending the Demogorgons from the first couple of seasons. Has he been behind that or was he, you know, and why, why was he, why he killed his family and then, uh, and then all of a sudden he decided to start killing again in the. Well, no, because remember, season. so yes. So, so what did I miss so there? You got a couple questions, right? The first one. Yes. Because if you remember when Eleven shoves him into the upside down, she had not escaped from the institution yet. Right. Right. So, yes, he ends up being who sends things from the upside down to try and draw power to be able to bring the upside down into reality. That's his role. Why he stopped. Right. We saw that because they put essentially an inhibitor chip in him that prevented him from being able to use his powers. And then he befriends 11, right? And they go to escape together and he tells 11, they have a way to track me, right? You have to take this out of me. He doesn't tell her that he has powers. He doesn't tell her any of that. He just yeah. says, there's a thing inside of yeah, me yeah. that they use to track me. She pulls it out, and then all of a sudden, it turns out that was keeping him from being able to use his powers. So he didn't kill for a long time because he couldn't. He didn't have his powers. They put the little in him. So her removing that chip thing wasn't a memory that had happened previously. That was like it happened in the it happened in the in the real time of the show just like in a mind reality something no like it, that wasn't a memory because because here's the it thing. was it, a memory 
Okay, but then if she removed his chip before she shoved him into the upside down, why was he unable to kill during while he was in the upside down? What do you mean? Well, there was this time, there was the whole time where he wasn't he wasn't killing. Why did he just all of a sudden decide to start killing again? Well, he did decide to start killing in the hospital like lab that they were all in. He killed everybody, everybody. basically. Yeah. Right. Right. And then she shoved him into the upside down where he was burnt on entry, apparently. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and he even talks about the fact that he started to evolve. He started to okay. develop into something more. Yeah. So he became patient until it was time to enact whatever the plan is with the big bad in the upside down. Right. And then started doing the thing. Okay. That, that makes more sense. The, than, that makes more sense than all like, 700 hours of of this season (laughs) well and that's you know you got to look at it in terms of like if we're thinking about serial killers right this is a horrible thing to think about but if you're thinking about serial killers there are a number of serial killers in history who kill and then go dormant that's true and then they they pop up again right because of whatever reason so think of him in that regard right he was a, a psychopath and a killer he killed right was pushed into the upside down into a whole new place and he doesn't really know how to get out of yet yeah and so he essentially goes dormant while he develops into something else and then goes active again right that's fair all right yeah that makes way more sense than everything i watched thank you good because that hurt my brain <laughs> right okay I so I, to... I would have i would be remiss so my daughter loves this show oh nice and could not wait to watch it and as uh, watch it with multiple friends and doing so. she was so angry at what they did to max at the end oh, oh yeah and her question and, and i will pose it to you so if you're going to make max blind and deaf and immobile mm-hmm. and brain dead essentially why is she still on this show why not just well, kill her? If you're going to leave her incapable of doing anything, why is she still in this show? Well, one, we don't know what exactly the result is of this, right? It's a supernatural event. Yeah. Right? You don't know that Max is crippled for life. You don't know that, you know, she's deaf and blind for the rest of her life. You don't know that she's going to be, you know, in a coma. Like, we don't know. Yeah. Right. And clearly right. Max's role within the show isn't done. We've got another season coming. They just posted a picture of the whiteboard from the season five writer's room for Stranger oh, wow. Things okay. on Instagram. So Max's role isn't done. And she's, you know, there's something that's going to happen where she's going to be a pivotal part of that. Yeah. I have to assume at some point, Elle's going to find a way to rescue her mind. Like Elle will continue I, to go in there and, and find wherever wherever whatever piece of of her mind still exists somewhere in that dark corner Elle's going to find her and and help her come back to herself i assume yeah my assumption is is that she's she's stuck her mind is stuck in the upside down somewhere mm, okay right? or somewhere in between the upside down and reality like yeah. something's happening there and that's going to be an important part i loved how strong max was yes absolutely as a character like was she afraid yes right 
did she not want to die? No. And man, when she started crying and saying like, she didn't want to die, like she wasn't ready to go. Right. Right. Exactly what you expect from uh, a kid, even though, right. They've been strong and they've been placed in this position. Right. And she's carrying so much guilt and shame. Tons, right. Tons over her stepbrother. Yeah. Right. So, and, and we saw that in the upside down, right. Her stepbrother and some other folks that wound up there. Um, you know, or at least like some vestige of them wound up there, some mm-hmm. memory, whether that was Beckna controlling them and, and making them appear still not super clear. Right. Um, so that, that leads me to believe that somewhere in there, I think Max is going to, we're going to see Max. Right. Yeah. And eventually she'll make her way back into her body. Um, I, so, you know, I, I can see, I can see where her anger stems from, right? But if this was the very last season... Yeah, or if that was how it ended with her... Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not, right? Yeah. That's not the end of her story. I guess Jacqueline saw a post somewhere from the Duffer brothers that said something about, oh, no, she's she's blind and deaf and all the things. I'm like, well, okay, kiddo, but I think they're just... I think they're just putting out a... They're putting yeah. out a rabbit trail right there a little bit. They're, 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 that's right, a little exactly. bit of a deception or a what do you, like sleight of hand kind of thing. They want you to think that that's where she is. Huh? Yeah. A little subterfuge. Yeah. There you go. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's my big word for the day. Thank you. So uh, the last thing before, you know, uh, to get into, at least on my end, before I, I think probably wrap up. Yeah. Uh, unless you got anything else major is, I'd like to see uh, Steve and um, what's the girl's name? That was his girlfriend in the beginning. Right, right. Yeah. Um, Nancy. Nancy. Thank you. I always refer to her as Nancy Drew in my head, so that makes sense. <laughs> um, well, they do that I in pers- the show, right? Don't they, make, don't they call her Nancy Drew in that Yeah, they call her Nancy Drew in the yeah. show. I personally... Would like to see Steve and Nancy back together. Their chemistry That's just is tremendous. Me, right? Way more, like, way better. Their chemistry is way better than Nancy and Jonathan. Yeah. Nancy and Jonathan were cool for a, yep. a couple seasons and they were nice, but they've clearly evolved in very different directions and going down very different paths. Meanwhile, Steve and Nancy, like they just, even though Nancy like was a little taken aback, you could tell by Steve's profession of like love and, mm-hmm. and everything else. Yeah. And she wasn't quite ready for that. Which makes sense given what yeah. the, her character has done. Like she shouldn't have just been like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Right. Exactly. And I'm glad they didn't do that. That would right. have been cheap. That would have been making yeah. it a whole lot cheaper. Yeah. But I I I definitely think that their chemistry is strong. Right. And I do, you know, there's some there's some real world application or or, or reflection there in that most of us. The people we fell in love with at 16, 17 is not our lifelong partner. Correct. Obviously, yeah. there are from fo- some folks for whom that is true, but oh yeah, for most sure. of the people I know, that's not how it worked out. So it would it would make sense for Nancy and Jonathan to grow apart. Yeah, I, I agree. And it, you know, events like this create strong connections between people sure. like right 
like stressful, catastrophic style yep. events. I think it's why you see such strong brotherhoods coming out of folks who have served in the military together. Yeah. Right. Um, Cause you're thrown into what feels like impossible situations and you come out of it and you're, you have that shared trauma with somebody else. So you're not, yeah. you don't always feel like you're carrying the full load and um, you know, everybody has their reaction differently and, and whatnot. But, you know, I think it's why you see those, those uh, brotherhoods and sisterhoods from things like, military and, and whatnot right sports teams too right sports teams that have had to fight through horrible seasons and you know everything else like if they if they persevere mm -hmm. they're, they're a closer knit unit right uh if they completely fall apart and everything goes down the toilet and they end up at zero and 16 um then you probably don't have that camaraderie. You probably don't have that, that bond that brings them together next year with a, a, a desire to do better. Right. Yeah. You probably have a, every man for himself, I'm going to get mine. I'm getting out of here kind of mentality. But when you have a team that, you know, fights through a, some adversity and then comes out the other side with an ability to focus on some wins, right. Then it's, then it's a different ballgame. Um, so to speak. any given Sunday, any given go. Sunday, great movie. Yeah. So are we, uh, are we giving this the, the rating? Oh yeah. We got to give it a rating. We gotta give it a rating. Dave. Uh, I, I think this, this season had its flaws as I've discussed and it was not perfect, but I'm still got to I still got to give it an overwhelmed. It, it was enjoyable. Um, they, characters have evolved uh it's it's great to look at soundtrack's fantastic obviously yeah so I, i'm gonna it's not perfect but it's uh it's definitely an overwhelmed for me yeah i am so i i disagree with you on on it i i find very few flaws in this season yeah i thought it was well written uh the storylines were so good in how they crossed back and forth together to weave like a, a really large picture that touched multiple corners of of the planet um and managed to interconnect everybody i thought the performances by everybody were just phenomenal mm -hmm. um you know and we had eddie munson and we lost eddie munson yeah Right. That's the only detractor for me is that we lost Eddie Munson too soon. And, um, but everything else and everyone else just, you know, amazing, just absolutely amazing. I, I loved it. And, uh, so for me, it's, it's clearly an overwhelmed, just great, great season from them. And I'm really looking forward to season five. Yeah. Oh, I'm too. I am too, for sure. Yeah. It'll be yeah, great. In fact, so. <laughs> we we finished watching the, the the final one, and I was like, "Okay, that's the end of the first part. There's another part coming out, right?" And Josh is like, "Are you dumb? No, it was that's the end of this season." Dumb. <laughs> like, oh, oh yeah, I wanted more right now. Right. They had, and they split it into two. Yeah, like you had right, a I whole know. bunch of I, but I just just the way I watched it, it didn't. Really I just didn't really connect with. Oh, I'd be remiss. One last thing. 
Yeah. Has there ever been a more subtle on-screen death than uh, than Jason's? Oh yeah, of a kind of major character. Yeah, like that split opens in the world in the earth, and it just sort of disintegrated him, like because yeah, he was caught just, in the midst of it. Yep, just kind of gone. Yeah, just kind of gone. Yeah. I don't feel the loss of Jason as yeah, much as I. I mean, no, I don't either. I just thought it was interesting that that was that was a pretty, no, almost off-screen way to end that story. Almost, yeah, yeah, yeah. very much so. All right, well, true believers, let us know what you think. Uh, what did you think of uh, of this episode? And what did you think? More importantly, what did you think of Stranger Things season four? Let yeah. us know. Send us an email. So leave us a note on uh, Instagram or wherever uh, or wherever. Yeah. Uh, we'd love to interact with you. Maybe you will be the next fan fiction. Maybe. And wouldn't Maybe. that make your day complete? It would make my day complete. It would make mine good and complete as well. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being with us on this journey. Uh, until next time, true believers, bye. Bye, guys.